And we are live. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Nigerian Sports Fan Podcast. I'm your host David, and my mood is—it's um, obvious, right? Um, United beat Arsenal yesterday, which is exactly the result I wanted. And um, yeah, so uh, we're going to do a review of all the matches that happened in game week, match week six, match day six, game week, whatever you want to call it, match week, game week, game day, whatever. Um, Premier League fixtures happened over the weekend, and. Um, yeah, so uh, our star boy Dean Scarlett scored um, scored again, scored scored two goals. Um, Desnu Doji scored um, again for Udinese yesterday, and um, pretty much um, all around good game. And Spurs back to winning ways again. And our big story today, we're gonna talk about VR today. Now that's a big story. Um, again, I wonder how many times I'm gonna have this particular segment because it's turning into a normal occurrence every week. I don't know if it's more of the officials being incompetent. To handle the decision making, or if it's the fear. But again, my own view on computer is garbage in, garbage out. You can't really blame computers for doing things. It's the, but, but, anyways, without further ado, let's do this episode. Okay, welcome to the show. And um, we're going to start our, sec- our weekend, weekend roundup with um, the Merseyside Derby, which is. Um, not ex- not surprising that it ended in the draw. I mean, Everton versus Liverpool. Most more often than not, um, Liverpool tend not to lose this game. Um, Everton, their best result is usually a draw. I mean, I've seen them win games here and there, but Merseyside derbies that I remember Everton winning, they are usually few and far between. Yes, and even if it's at Anfield, you know, it's sort of expected. But at Goodison Park, it's actually quite surprising that Everton just can't beat Liverpool. I was actually rooting for them in this game. I mean, for obvious reasons. I mean, why I say for obvious reasons, I mean, I, I sort of have a soft spot for Everton, right from, for as long as I can remember. I mean, blue is one of my favorite colors, so it's sort of, <laughs> so it's sort of like that. Then again, I also like Everton because um, they're some of like, they're kind of like, I like underdogs, right? Whoever is the side that I sort of like, the underdog in in a particular area is who I'm most like, more likely to side with. So the underdog is more likely to side with. So anyways, back to the game. So in the new, new draw. Um... Everton started this game really well. I think they started really well. They were never, and they were up for it. I mean, and the Goodison crowd were up for it also. They made noise. They were really at on on the back of Liverpool. Whenever Liverpool player touched the ball, they were booing them, which is very expected from Manchester like and from a derby, a derby in general. And more than that, I think the referee did a good job in that game. I think it did. I think that's probably one of the few games I would say the referee did well because. Especially derbies, you know, derbies are usually games where you really expect maybe a, a, mess, a mess up from the referee, but it just didn't happen in this game. I mean, yeah, you can argue about the offside goal, but it was, it was an offside at the end of the day. Kono Cody goal was an offside. I looked at it, even when it was, because he, he was one that scored the goal, even when it was reviewed, I was like, nah, this is offside. We already knew it was offside and it was given. So I don't even know why people arguing about that. Maybe it's a way to just take shots at VAR again, but I, I think that was. But, but back to the game. So Everton start really well, and they hit the bar, which I think Tom Davis would have done better with that. But I don't know if it's, it's his positioning or he just had no choice but to hit it with his hand on his right foot because there was a situation where they got in and the net was already open and he just hit the bar. And Liverpool also hit the bar on the other end. Uh, Diaz hit the bar. So it was just end to end, and I, I was enjoying it. And yeah, Nemope making his debut also in that game. Nemope, I think obviously. Um, playing for Everton, I think this sort of suits him because Brighton with Daniel Welbeck having like the starting striker spot for for Brighton, I think at Everton Mope is able to really find his, his feet there, and I think he suited Everton really well the way they played. He sort of complemented um, Demari Gray and 
um, Gordon over the weekend. And Gordon and Demarigui actually switched wings on multiple occasions in that particular game. Both wingers who I think they had good games. Which, but there's Demarigui obviously of a higher quality. But sorry, um, Gordon of a higher quality obviously. But I think Demarigui, a situation where Demarigui would have done better and wouldn't have done better. But overall, I think it was it was just a, I didn't think goalkeepers. Obviously, end of the day, it was just a game of goalkeepers winning because. Um, I remember a save also from um, Alisson, a save from Pickford. So it was just save, save, saves here and there. Both goalkeepers really, really stood up to the occasion. And it was not a surprise that Pickford ended up winning the man of the match though. Yeah, it was a good game. I, I think I, do, I just really can't, um, as a neutral, I can't really fault, can't really fault um, whoever, whoever I mean, obviously I'm a neutral because I mean, even though I have source for everything, I'm not really an Everton fan, but as a, as a neutral, I sort of enjoyed the game as it was end to end. And I, but Liverpool have a problem again. Their problem is still wearing its ugly head, and it's it's amazing. It's going to be a very long season. I don't. I, I obviously we're not going to expect Liverpool to hit the heights that they hit last in terms of where they were winning, 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 winning. I think it's obvious because their bench is a lot weaker. I mean, they lost Mane, they lost Jota. No, sorry, they lost Mane, they lost Minamino, they lost Origi. That's three. Of the attack line so what do they have left so maybe they only replace just they replace just money maybe or money or riggy or whichever you want to talk about basically replace one person with three persons which is who is um nunez that we nunez who nunez who i think um had quite a good game because he also draw drew out a good save from pickford why i mean quite a good game not like it was amazing but um whenever you watch liverpool play you just know that Damon Nunez is a good striker. He's just not... If you see him play... He, because I, I think when Liverpool signed Damon Nunez, people expect an Andy Carroll-like of striker. But when I watch him play, I'm like, I don't think this is that kind of guy. He's a very different kind of striker. He likes to play with sort of last defender. The way he plays is different from the way people have in their head. That he's gonna, because it's one thing with football fans. When they see a player who is above 6'2", they assume, oh, good in the air, play the ball up in the air, knock down. That's what they assume. And it's very, very... Uh, narrow-minded in my opinion because it's very, very very lazy to just jump to that conclusion i think that is more than just that i think i don't maybe 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 his link up may not be in the world but i'm saying that because when i looked at that chance the, the way it took the, the the over the head ball that came to him the way he took that ball down draw that save from pickford that was probably going to be a grand pickford out of nowhere that would be an amazing goal right obviously Nunez is still good in the air but i'm saying that there's a lot more than just um, that part of the game, although it's would depend on how because of his price tag, it's gonna take a long time for people to really let him settle in. Because now people are gonna say, Okay, give him time. If you're playing in a no pressure environment where he was able to take his time to find his feet, that's a different situation. Now, there is no time for him to find his feet, he has to find his feet, and the problem is nobody's gonna give him that chance because he costs a lot more, it costs it costs money, and he's really replacing now. Back when we Liverpool, Liverpool now they've lost they lost those three guys. And they just brought in Nunez as the only attacking uh, threat. I mean, Cavalio, Cavalio is not really, Cavalio is not really, Cavalio is more of like, because I've seen Cavalio and Elliot played play on either side of Fabinho. So that's as a two number eight for Liverpool. So, you know, there's that that factor there that Liverpool did really, 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 you know, struggle. Obviously, they brought on Firmino later. Firmino, who obviously who came in and tried to really do things here and there, but just wasn't it. If they had only, if only they had Origi, who is a menace for Everton. Well, <laughs> Yeah, but I think, like I said, I think about Liverpool still. I don't really think they fixed their problems in the summer in the window. I mean, if you lose those amounts of players, three bringing in just one, and the one they brought in is still not hitting the ground running yet, it's they are going to obviously struggle. And 
I think that's where the problem is. But if if Nunez can restart firing, I think they might have it. Can start firing. Then Salah also was very poor. I don't know if it's the role he's been asked to play now because it's a lot different from the one he was playing when he was him, Firmino and Salah and and Mane as a front three. Because Firmino was thinking, but Salah is taking more of a creative role than I'm observing now. If his numbers they dropped a bit. In in terms of some attacking stars, they dropped a bit, and I don't know if that's the reason, but. Salah is really struggling. It's not the same. It's not the same guy, you know. I don't know if it's age or whatever. I don't really know what it is, but there's a bit of. I mean, we all know it's a decline, and I don't want to just lazily say it's it's money who's finally gone. I know, but even though there's an element of truth in that, because I remember very well before um, before money left, they had like a, the final front three. Was, when Firmino finally got job, money was one who playing through the middle. He was linking up with Diaz and Salah really well for them to create chances. That was the lineup towards the end of the season. That was the lineup in the Champions League final. That was the lineup that produced a lot of results for them. So you know, last season also. So that was a lineup that was quite promising. But you know, money is out. There's that element there. But I also think there's another factor there. You know. Uh, maybe missing out with uh, Nunez being out, Nunez coming in there and having tried to play to adjust to him. Maybe it's sort of making Salah suffer a bit. I don't know if that's the case, but good game overall. Then the next game here was um, the 3 p.m. Kick- obviously 3 p.m. kickoffs. Sports versus Fulham. I mean, I'm a sports fan. I'm going to watch the sports game, even though there were more interesting games going on at the same time. I'm um, talking about the Bo- Nottingham Forest versus Bournemouth, which Bournemouth came back from two goals down to win 3-2, and Brentford versus Leeds, which Brentford won 5-2. There was also a controversial decision in that game. VR also um, penalty, penalty decision, which ended up leading um, Jesse Marsh getting sent off. Which I think, and also Wolves was something Wolves winning this game one 0 and then Palace versus Nottingham Newcastle, which was New York draw, another controversial decision again in that game, which is very interesting. Now let's talk about the sports game. So the sports game won two one, quite routine, but it's a game that you expect sports to win. But on that day, it was just from minute one on Saturday from minute one. I think sports were on it. I think the game was good overall. I mean, if the, the XG proved that. I again, I have to reiterate this. I do not like XG. But some, but it tells it tells a story. Obviously, I'm not gonna base on my conclusions on XG, but XG paints a story, tells a story of, of games, right? The kind of chances you create, and that's why I think um, XGs can really have a good impact. Like maybe it, sh- it tells a story about how your chances, are, how clear cut your chances are. I think the XG game ended was Spurs like three point something, and Fulham were like zero point something, right? So Fulham were not creating a lot of chances in that game because Spurs were really on them. And it's very interesting to see Clem along this. So it was a Loris back three was Romero, Diane, Plummer, Longley, and there was a four in the middle. The three, four, three, and the four was um, on the left wing back was Sessegnon, and then the, our favorite pairing back, which is very unpopular amongst a lot of sports fans, but I think a lot of sports fans have seen with their eyes that maybe this is the best pairing. Hoybier and Benton Core, and the right wing back was oh, sadly Royal, who, <laughs> and then um, it was Sonny and, um, per- and uh, Richarlison. Behind Hurricane, right? As the two number tens behind Hurricane, which was very interesting. Kulusevski got dropped and Presage came on. Sorry, Richardson came into play. Richardson obviously had a very good game. I mean, he had a very good game, right? And with Sonny, with Sonny in the stand, everybody was like, ah, is he gonna be Sonny again? You know, he's still finding some. And even me, I was part of the school of thought that believed that some could have should be dropped. But in that game, I, I, he came back to his own. He looked really good, you know. So, um, so. Like I said, Son, so when Son returns back to that lineup, I'm not really. I was, I was like, eh. When I saw Son in that lineup, I was like, meh. But I saw Richardson, I was quite excited that he's finally starting because he has, finally, he has deserved his spot. 
But I was worried because I was like, I don't think Lucieski did as bad as, you know, people are trying to say. But was that a reason? Is it like Sony is trying to be playing to fitness? I was quite a bit disappointed when I heard. But when the game started, sports were completely dominant, you know. I don't know if it has a lot, obviously it had a lot more to do with Sanchez getting dropped and Romero coming back. I mean, I was so excited when I saw that. And yeah, Romero's back. You know, it was very important to see Romero back. You know, because I mean, remember I said last episode, I said Sanchez sort of ruins our build-up play with a lot of his passing and refusal to really be progressive. And then with, um, yeah, then Clement Longley playing on the left side of the back three also helped because he was also creating chances from there. So on either side of the back three, the right side of the back and the left side of the back, both of them were creating chances off you know, from their sides. And I think the, the, because there was one particular pass I saw Longley make for Richarlison that ended up creating for a chance, which led to a block by Rim, the Fulham centre back, you know. And also another thing was. Um, Longley also was a pass he made straight to Kane, which Kane created a chance for Son and Son hit the bar. So Son actually looked really good in that game again. You can see that the goals are coming very soon. He also scored in, he was really for outside. And that was very important. But this game, Son was, comp- was far, far better. Now, I don't want, you know, want to say, okay, it's the quality of the opponent. Well, Fulham haven't looked really bad in recent weeks. So it's not like Fulham has some you know, mugs that you can just brush to the side. I mean, Fulham gave Liverpool a game. You can argue that Liverpool are struggling. Well, yes, but Fulham gave Liverpool a game. Fulham also gave Arsenal a game. Fulham gave everybody they played against, they played against a game. They've given everybody a game. They're not, they're not, they're not pushovers, especially at Craven Cottage. And in general, Fulham are not an easy team, I mean, to play against, right? So, and also, if you want to talk about quality of opponent, Son was also quite poor against Southampton. He was also poor against Nottingham Forest. He was poor against West Ham. So, these are opponents that Son should be scoring. So, I don't really think you can claim that oh it, this is the reason why it's doing well there are games that so i feel like maybe son is finally coming back into himself and it's probably sharpness and it's understandable if he hadn't scored in the first four matches now it's five though but perhaps like if he hadn't scored in the first four matches you know it's understandable that you know you start to feel but i was very impressed with what i saw from son and i'm like okay yeah i think he should keep his spot and richarlison was really good in that game i mean he was aggressive he was working he was pressing you know and probably could it be that the reason why Spurs sort of pressed a little bit more higher on the pitch was because of him? Because the way he was ready to run and ready to really put in work and all that. I remember very well, prior to that particular game, um, I saw a start that Spurs were the few teams who won the ball in the opposition box, right, in terms of the stats. So I checked. I checked the stats and I checked the stats and I think this game they came out to really dispel all of that. Now, obviously against Manchester, I expect a different approach, you know, but it was, imp- I think, from a long day playing also, very, was very key to how sports played also. So I think sort of, sort of explains why Conte wanted an LCB, and also, I hope, I hope Longley does enough to keep his spots. I mean, a lot of persons, the questions people ask about Longley is maybe some of the other parts of his game, but maybe it's a whole environment might be, maybe, maybe if he starts against Man City next week, and he does really well, like, okay, yeah, I think it was a change environment. If he can really, you know, defensively, because he made some blocks in that game. And again, with Ben Davis, defensively, he's really good, right? Obviously, as an ex-left back, you know, defensively, he's, he's, he has improved. I won't say he's really good, but he has improved much better than what most of us actually... Because, I mean, if you listen to my episode last year, I used to always say, I want Davis out, I want Davis out. But now, it's completely changed, right? But him and Longley, but Longley offers something a lot more different. Longley is a better passer of the ball than him, better progressive passer of the ball than him, obviously much better. You know, the passes he was making and Spurs look a lot more better. You know, look a, much, a lot more better against that kind of opponent. Now, 
against Man City yes, next weekend. I don't know. Depends on who we're gonna get. But I, th- I think the system sort of makes up for a lot of deficiencies that the players may have. You know, like for example, if you take a shot and then the players make blockers, he makes some blocks and Davis makes a lot of blocks and the way they defend is a lot more different and they can break at pace and be very devastating. So that's there's that element of there's an element of that there. But anyways, goes from uh, Hoyberg and Hurricane. Hurricane scoring is for the third not another derby goal. And he's the outright try third in the top goal scorers list. So it's Rooney's in his front. I think he's on 188. Rooney's on 205. And Shira's on 260. So Kane is really on course for that. Now, it depends on how many goals he scores this season. Well, he's going to get closer and closer and closer. He might, he might even meet Rooney's record this season. Depending on how many goals he scores, he might get, he might reach Rooney's record this season and then just be on Alan Shira's record. But I, I, think, I think Kane will be... It's very likely, but I, I think Spurs are really, really doing their best to really ensure that. Then on Richarlison, he scored a goal, but was rather for offside. But there's one thing I also really want to point out about Richarlison. Um, not only was he very good in this game, he was very, he was everywhere, and he was really pressing, and he was, you know, devastating, creating chances. Remember the one I mentioned earlier, the one for Son, and then Son hit over the bar. Sorry, that was blocked by Reim and led to a corner. And there was one that, there was one that, they wasn't give, give the assist for Hoiberg. And then the goal, he scored a goal, really for offside, which was correct. He was offside in the in the in the build-up, even though he put the shirts and then he celebrated yellow card. Da, 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 da. Now there's one thing I also really observed in that game. Um, when Kane went off and then Richarlison stayed, Richarlison was the link-up play was still good. It was him. It was him. Kulusevski um, um, came on later and then some on the left. The link-up play was still good between all of them. I mean, they were still linking up play very, very well. The feeding each other passes. Especially for the, the, for the there was one that he, that hit the bar before Fulham went and scored from the resulting, which I think Romero would have done should have done better with that. Mitrovic scored and Mitrovic almost scored another, which <laughs> Mitrovic is very dangerous this season, right? Richardson hit the bar. Which was a bit, it was a bit unlucky, you know, because the way it was. But I was very impressed with what I saw, and I think the goal is gonna come. You know, even if he didn't score in that game, it looked a lot more promising, and it looked like he can play with the squad. So it's only very important that sports have four forwards who are battling for for three spots, right? I mean, obviously Kane is gonna start every time, so. <laughs> but it's important to know that we have one more person who we know that yes, he's gonna play. Obviously, he's gonna play because I mean, I mean, apparently he started this game, played him, so he is definitely going to play. Which is definitely gonna play. But it was very important to see this uh, version of sports, and that's what's going to make sports even more dangerous. And I don't think I don't think anybody's going to be disgruntled because you know you're going to know that you're going to play, you're going to play. And obviously, Hill and um, and um, Mora returning very important. I mean, the bench looked quite. Um, I think we had only one attacking option, but it was Kulusevski and Mora. And there were a lot more defenders and midfielders there, and I didn't really like that. So I think Hill and Mora have to return as quickly as possible because we need both of them as quickly as possible yeah but that for me was very important in that game and yeah and uh yeah i think sports would have scored more i think leno really really uh was on so it was a mixture of luck and leno having to make some quite some good saves that sort of kept the score line down I mean, sports could have been before five nil up already you know in the first half or even the second I mean, game in general but yeah that's my end take of the game and this one here is nothing first was bomb mods uh nothing first coming back from Bournemouth coming from two goals down to win 3-2, which this is their third successive defeat for Nottingham Forest. Losing 6-0 to Man City last weekend, they lost, they lost 2 nil to Spurs, lost 6-0 to Man City in midweek, and now they lost 3-2 to Bournemouth. Bournemouth, I mean, maybe the new manager bounced with Bournemouth, but I'm actually quite surprised that um, this actually happened. If, I, if, if your two goals up already against Bournemouth, I expected the score you know, to be over, but... 
to come back and then win 3 2, which is not really surprising. It was surprising, I won't lie. But Bournemouth, I think the approach they went with, you know, the change of forward. I mean, Dolin Solanke was on the side of front, and then, um, yeah, they made a change in personnel also. I mean, Tavernier still played, um, the other wingers, but the, the change in, in personnel up front, maybe that sort of added to them playing a lot more better. I don't know if that's the case because Kiffin Moore, not like he's a bad striker, but obviously he's a different, he's a different kind of, he's a different, he's a different kind of striker basically. But Solanke sort of offered them something different. I think he even scored in that game. Though. But Bournemouth came back. This is their first, second win of the season. Surprisingly, right? So Bournemouth have actually had two wins. Unlike, I mean, look at this. Bournemouth from six matches, they have six points with an average of a point per game, right? This is after they've been, they've been clobbered, six nil, four nil. 9 0, 6 0, 3 0, no, 9 0, 4 0, and uh, 3 0. They've been clubbed across three different matches, right? Properly beaten, right? And they still have more points than Villa, more points than Leicester. <laughs> it's mad, right? And those two don't cost as much as them. So I don't know how they don't, but maybe it's decision to sack Parker. Maybe it might pay off in the long run. Maybe it might not. We don't know, but we'll see as, as, that, we'll see as season progress and know. How decision turns out to be. Yeah, the next game was Chelsea versus West Ham. Another controversial decision in this game. Um, VR, which I don't really, I, I think, I think it should have been a goal. I think even after the game ended, the um, officials they admitted that the goal should have stood. They, they, it was two to two to draw because they said Mendy was stepped on and then, but it was a foul. It wasn't a foul, right? It wasn't. I mean, Mendy was still on the floor and then Max Corne scored to make it two two. Which West Ham probably going But this is another thing we have to look at. Remind early in the midweek, West Ham's goal came up via a foul throw, right? And then they scored from it. It was a foul throw. And the funny thing was, Sessing your goal penalized for a foul throw on Saturday also. So it's, there's no, there's, that's one of the rules in the game where there's no consistency. Nobody really talks about foul throws and the inconsistencies in applying that rule in foul throws. People just let it go. I, I don't even know the difference again between foul throw and because they let everything slide and then I was like, oh, this was a foul throw. Wow. But the West Ham's one was a foul throw and then they scored from it, which was 1 1 draw, right? That led to the 1 1 draw. In that game, obviously, over the weekend, they go and go with that. Remember when I said that some of these dodgy decisions, they tend to even themselves out. Now, you could argue that Spurs gaining from the game against Chelsea, some you know, decision making, sort of beat them in the ass against West Ham. So it's like my point is they even at themselves. <laughs> I know it sounds twisted, but these things tend to even at themselves. In if you look at if you really take your time and watch. That's I don't really sometimes complaining about referee sometimes. I don't really think it's it's really as um I think maybe some fans I just think football fans have been selfish in general because there are times when referee decisions actually favor you. And also in, in that game Chelsea also favor got favored by decision from a referee, but they didn't complain, right? Rich James would have gone sent off in that game. Stamp on Antonio and Son got sent off for that, you know, for doing that to Rudiger. So you know, there's no consistency again. So you see all these things I'm talking about where in these games you don't really but yeah, but um, um, it was very important that Chelsea actually won this game again. Not again, I mean, they won this game because in midweek, they lost to Southampton, lost to Newcastle. I mean, they won, they won to let, they beat less time between those two games. But winning this game was very important for Chelsea, you know, for them to really get back to winning ways, you know, for them. But it was a debut for Fofana. Fofana, um, I think... Um, um, this guy was back. Um, what's his name? Kulibali. Kulibali was back. <laughs> Kulibali was back. 
having then Harvard scored, Harvard scored, scored the goal, which was uh, very interesting because he shushed the crowd when he scored. He did like a shush celebration when he scored, which was very surprising because. I find it amusing, you know, that people are criticizing you validly. Valid criticism have been directed towards you for not playing well, for not contributing as you should. And then when you finally score, you shush everybody. It's like nobody wants to take criticism anymore. I don't understand. You've not been doing your job for for weeks, right? People actually called you out for it, and then you score. It's like, oh, take this, my haters. So if you go on the judge and you don't score anymore, what are you gonna do? You're gonna keep you gonna do, and then you shush. The whole thing just doesn't make any sense to me, bro. All power to them. Chelsea was, I think it's like with the 3 5. They played Sterling and uh, Polish up front as three, in 3 5 2. But then bringing on Havertz later, then to, to get their goal. And Gallagher, I think it was um, Chiwa who scored one of their goals. 2 1, if I'm not mistaken. Just 1 2 1. And then the next one here was Brentford as a lead. Now, nobody about, I think, you know, Ivan Tony scoring a hat trick was something I didn't really expect. Well, I scored a pen. But my favorite goal of his hat trick, I don't know which one it is, right? If you score the penalty first, I don't know if it's the free kick or the one where he loved the goalkeeper or loved the entire defense. Not like a loved goalkeeper, but from outside, but the love was so composed. But I am just so I'm just um I didn't really see that part of um, Tony's game. I didn't really expect it to happen. And it's going they're gonna be having probably and if Tony continues the way he's going, I mean there's gonna be a lot of big beats. I mean last time people watched and observed him. Everybody was like, listen, I think Tony is really good. They observed him and he scored some goals for Brentford last season. But this season again, he has started really well and he's looked really good. People are saying, okay, wait, I think this guy could be the real deal. People, people observing, and I think maybe next summer, whoever's looking for a striker might really look and say, listen, I think we we like what we see and we like to. Who needs a striker? I mean, Chelsea needs a striker. I mean, they got Aubameyang, obviously. I mean, they've got um, United might need a striker. Might need a striker. Um, I'm coming to why I think I'm coming. To, I'll make a point. Talk about that in the in the, in the final in the game. They might need a striker. Um, there's also the element of um, I th- I don't know, but it's really going to be interesting to see to to see how um, the whole thing unfolds. But <laughs> but for, I mean, Tony surprised me. I won't lie. I mean, the free kick was extra amazing because the curl around the right so that so that box went around the button and that was the second one. And then the third one, Mesley Mesley made a mess of it and then came out. I think came out too quick. Ball fell to Tony. And all the Brentford defenders went back, you know, scrambling back. And Tony just had a really perfect accurate chip that just went to the net. Hat-trick. So 5-2 win. I mean, Sinistera, I think it was Sinistera scored for Leeds. Um, yeah, it was just a 5-2. Good win for Brentford. Then Wolves was a Southampton. One nil win for Wolves. Um, well, it's kind of... Um, I think that was the Wolves' first win in the season. I think also important for them to get this win going. I mean, the amount of draws, draws, draws they've been getting. Draws and draws and draws. I think getting their first win off their back was just important to get that pressure off. And then, yeah. One new win for Wolves. And other interesting news for Wolves. They're about to sign Diego Costa. I mean, the striker they just signed Kalazic from um, uh, from Sa- Sa- Stuttgart. It picked up an injury, which was um, quite unfortunate. So Diego Costa, they're about to sign Diego Costa, and I found out that they actually they actually played against Liverpool this weekend, which is very interesting. It's interesting. <laughs> wow. So Diego Costa just he's going. I think he got released. I think he got released, or he was freed from Atletico Mineiro, and so he's being flown to England to come play for Wolves. This is not the first time they're actually targeting Diego Costa. I remember 2019. When Wolves were about to send Diego Costa, was it in the summer of 2019 or 2020? Can't remember. One of the two summers, they went to send Diego Costa. Didn't really go through again, and then, so, but it's gonna be interesting to see Diego Costa. Obviously, it's not gonna be the same. I mean, injuries, um, a lot of issues. So he's not the same guy anymore. He's basically finished in quotes. When I say finished, I mean, it's not the same guy. 
but he could probably do a job for them but he's, he, does he still have that you know that shit house about him that ability to p- annoy opponents you know to get in their faces and do some I uh, probably has that element about him and that's really what me for sure people about the Costa. But we'll see. And also if Costa signs for Wolves, I mean there's already even the next time sports play Wolves when they go to and uh, the Madiski Stadium. Is it, no Madiski Stadium, Molyneux. Yeah, Madiski is reading. And when they go to Molyneux uh, later in the season, I mean there's already a story around it with this history between Anthony Conte and Costa. So it's gonna be interesting to see how that will unfold. Yeah. The Newcastle vs Palace on oh, no, a new new draw. There's nothing much to talk about a, a new new draw. Just here and there. I mean, there was a goal. There was an own goal from Tarek Mitchell, which got um, chalked off. VR coming to the rescue of Crystal Palace and Mitchell, and also coming to the rescue of Mitchell. I mean, own goal for a defender. It's not really a very good look. If, if, you're, if you're an FPL, whatever, if, whatever you are, it's not really a good look to score an own goal. And um, Newcastle should have scored earlier with Isak. I think Isak should have done better without chance. Was clean through on goal. Obviously, he won the ball in midfield. I think it was Anderson trying to play a pass, and then he won the ball, and then went through on goal, and then made it try to score, and then it was a cheap, but wrong decision. I think he should have played on either side of him. Maybe I don't know what reason was that, but maybe if he has a chance again, he might you know do better. But don't know. But no, no draw. Man City versus Aston Villa. Aston Villa versus Man City. Now most people were expecting Man City to come and clobber Aston Villa because, well, Gerard. I mean they are struggling. Aston Villa are struggling, and Gerard. You know, everybody knows Gerard is struggling. So Villa on a low, and um, Villa drew this, drew this game one-one. I mean, Man City were not really good in this game. They were quite poor. They were not very good in this game. Not like they were not very convincing. Again, also I want to also note we're well, noticing a difference between this season and last season. You see that maybe it's edited. I don't know, but you see all those Liverpool and Man City winning, 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 winning every weekend. I think that particular period is about to come to an end where they are winning every single match i mean you could you could point attribute that to the fact that teams have actually gone to the market and improved their squad and there's a lot more money in the league and that kind of um scenario will be unlikely to will unlikely to happen will likely happen you can you can attribute it to that or you can just attribute it to the fact that maybe the qualities of these two teams have just you know finally they've just finally come back to normal not like they are as bad as everybody else but once they come out no i mean I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe later in the season, they might just start their winning runs again and, you know, be consistent. It just, that could just be the case. But yeah, that's just, just my, my take on the whole thing. But good result for Aston Villa. I think it keeps Gerard in job in the long run. It's not good news for, not good news for a lot of Villa fans who want Gerard out. But <laughs> what am I going to say? I mean, Gerard is in the job for the meantime and pressure moves to Brendan Rodgers, who I'm going to talk about in the next game, Brighton versus Leicester. Again, I, I think Brighton... I think Leicester. Where do I start with Leicester, right? I mean, they lost to Brighton 5 2. I'm going to talk about the two teams individually. I'm going to praise one and obviously talk down on one. Because, I mean, losing 5 2 to Brighton, no offense to Brighton, but it is Brighton. I mean, Leicester shouldn't be losing 5 2 to Brighton. No offense to Brighton, but it's Brighton, right? I know, the, yes, they have good players and all that. But if we were to really look at Leicester and Brighton and we want to go man for man, how many Brighton players would most of you pick in your teams? I mean, I'm not trying to... Obviously, Leicester... Brighton's success is down to, obviously, their manager is very good and the system they play. I mean, Solly March... I mean, McAllister looks good for, for them, right? And then there is um, this guy... Um, I mean, in Leicester's squad, in the Brighton team, I think the midfielders are who I really like a lot. I mean, their strikers, their attackers are not really... 
and but I really like their midfielders. Their midfielders are really good. Caicedo, Mwepu, you know, they're really good. I think they just brought it. They brought on another midfielder, Ivan, right? Who a German midfielder who might look end up looking good. Then the wing, their their defense. There's really nobody in the defense. I would say okay, this. But Brighton are quite an okay team, and they look really good. I like their goalkeeper also, Sanchez. Alright, back to my point here. So Brighton looked really good, and they played really well. They played. They played Leicester of the park. I don't know if it's Rogers' um, issues or that. But with Leicester, they were so poor. They were so bad. They took the lead first. Brighton equalized for the match. Um, then um, Brighton went 2-2 up. And then Leicester equalized with um, Dhaka. And then just went up and went to 5-2. Samari was poor in that game. Um, Dhaka was okay. Then um, did he give away a penalty? That penalty was very unnecessary. It was... It was it was stupid. It was a stupid penalty because um, you were it was, it was wrestling the guy out. I mean, it was like you left the ball and you were wrestling the guy out, and then just end up giving a pen. It was a pen, obviously. It was a pen, pen, and then three two. The score was three two. In this game, also a VAR controversy, which was the McAllister goal. And for me, I look at football and I look at this right. There's always human error in all these games. The McAllister obviously is the right decision. It's offside. Um, I think Mwepo was offside, but when you look at the goal, it was a clean strike. It has to hurt so bad because that strike was so clean. But <laughs> it was the right decision, and that would have probably been goal of the month. But I would find it surprising that everybody was upset that oh, um, the decision making. Why are they gonna? But it was correct decision. I mean, it's it makes no sense. I mean, yeah, even eventually Leicester lost the game, but. We don't know that when they ruled out that goal, we don't know what happened. Most Leicester ended up scoring three two. So it was a right decision. No matter you want to call it out and say, oh, VR, you know, I, I think with this particular decision, if you want to point out fingers at VR, I think it's not really this particular game you can point because that decision was actually very correct. It was offside, unfortunate, but it was offside. It was. Yes, there's human error in the game, and probably have to go. That would have probably been the goal of the month easily, or probably even contender for goal of the season already because it was such a clean strike. Went in a straight line. I like this kind of goals. I mean, it reminds me of the one, the Neves goal. If you if you observe the ball when the ball was going to the net from McAllister, McAllister, the ball didn't really spin, right? Just stayed in a position, in a mo, in one state, in the motion. Spun a bit, but you just knew it was just going straight to the top of the net. The one with Neves, that one just stayed in one state and just went to the net. Neves against um, Newcastle, one-one draw uh, last weekend. So it was not really, it wasn't, it was a very good strike, but anyways, um, Bright, McAllister ended up having the last laugh, I think he ended up scoring two, scored a free kick and scored a penalty, which in my FPL, my mind told me to put him in my FPL, I ended up choosing the Berezi, who ended up went in blank against, <laughs> against Newcastle, silly decision by me though, but, but now with Leicester, uh, prior to the game, Chagla Soyuncu is going, so um, I think their new centre-back, um, the very new centre back Vout, um, I can't remember his son, the very new centre back to replace Fofana. Well, Leicester, I think things are falling apart for them. I mean, 2019, they were like talking about the best things in slides, but I mean, they had quite a good squad. I mean, Leicester's 11 2019, what was it, right? It was Schmeichel in goal, centre back pairing of um, Soyuncu and um, Johnny Evans, then right back was um, Pereira, I think left back was Ben Chilwell, then midfield was Ndidi. Didi and um, this guy Telemans, then they had this guy as number 10, Madison, they had the front, they had them um, on the right side, I think they had, no, on the left side was um, Barnes, I think on the right side, who was the right winger then, was it all Brighton, I can't remember who the right winger was, but Leicester had quite a good team and they looked like they could, and then 
they built on top of that, right? Yes, they lost Chiwell, but the James Justin came in, right? He was able to eventually come in and deputize and finally get the spot. And then also Leicester went back into the market. Just they had it, they had a base they could build on top of, right? But the decline of Soyuncu has been so bad. I mean, Soyuncu is about to join Galatasaray. He was on loan. I mean, when you go to the Turkish league, it's it's when you're going to the Turkish league from the English Premier League, the fall is so high. I think the Turkish league is like the 13th league in the entirety of Europe. So it's it's a really sad decision, sad situation when you're going to the Turkish league. It's, it can be really sad sometimes. But you know, that's there's that though. But then the the right injury to Pereira, and then they brought Sumari, hasn't worked out. They brought in Dakar, hasn't really worked out as people would have wanted. Obviously, Henacho obviously coming back looking good, but it just it just it's just falling apart. I think let's actually have quite a good squad. One point from six games is really poor. The poor returns. I mean, if you have Henacho, you have. Um, Daka with the numbers that and Daka obviously is still a good scorer, a good, good scorer. Don't get it twisted, right? And then you have DD, you have you know, I'm not, I'm not saying it's not a bad score basically. It's much better than it should. They should not be rooted at the bottom of the table. That's what I'm just saying. And with Parker getting sacked, I think the pressure on Je- on uh, Rodgers is increasing. If they lose their next game, I think they probably need one game and then they just if they win their next game, maybe it might ease a bit. But the pressure is increasing. But who did they bring in? I mean, Pochettino is free, but. We'll see how that develops. I think I think that Pochettino going to Leicester might be a good decision for both parties. I mean, it's a bit of a fall, you know, from grace for Pochettino a bit. I mean, if you look at two clubs in Manchester, it's a bit of a fall because Leicester are more of like at the level um, Southampton was when Pochettino was taking over, was with them, right, as manager. So my my one my check to see how to see how he could do with that squad and maybe with their new players, but. I, I don't know, but with Rogers, there's so much pressure already at the moment, and it's not looking good. One point from six games is not really a good decision. Good, it's not really a good return. I don't, and it's not like, it's not like Leicester's. Or, I mean, yes, Leicester they face fairly difficult opponents. They face Chelsea, they face Arsenal, in, in among those six, in those six games they've played. But Brighton are not a team they should be losing to by like that. Then the Brentford game on the first day of the season, they shouldn't be losing by that margin. So it's not really. Leicester haven't really been good, right? I mean, yes, they faced Man U also in that game, so in three difficult games. But I also mentioned um, two other games that they should be winning. I think there's one more game they have in that particular. I can't remember which that game was that though. But one thing is they should be doing better than where they are currently, are, and it's not looking good for them so far. Well, it is what it is though. But then with Brighton, currently with Brighton, I mean, they lost Besuma and Caicedo just immediately replaced, getting to the. I remember Moises Caicedo with Man U being linked to him. Was it 2020? Oli was still there, and Brighton were the ones who. I think it's a who were trying to secure the signature from a single sign from South America, but it's actually very interesting, and a very good decision also that he chose Brighton because if you're choosing Man United, I mean with the chaotic situation they're currently going through, I don't think it would have ended up being good. But with Brighton, he's able to develop and play at his own pace and really. You know, do well. And with Graham Potter, I was wrong about Graham Potter. I kept calling him a football hipster, like it's a football hipster choice, da da da. And then um, I said they've never finished in the top half of the league. But uh, looking at it, I think last season when they finished ninth, and then looking at the way they started, I think I was I was very wrong about very wrong about Potter. He's a very good manager. I mean, look what he's doing with the resources he has available to him. He's a very good manager with the players. And then I think they also struck gold with Welbeck. Not because Welbeck is not like Welbeck will score them 20 goals or 30 goals a season. But I'm saying with Welbeck, 
it just suits their style of play very well. They link up play, you know, with them and they're able to play with Welbeck. It's just very good with them. And Kaisedo and Mwepo in midfield for them has been really good. The McAllister, I mean, that they are true. And then they have Soli March and Trust are playing wing back for them, obviously. And then Estupenyan, Estupenyan, Estupenyan. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that name. And then with they lost so with the amount of players they've lost and they've known to replace them get good money for them i mean they lost Bisuma and they lost um tr- um um this guy was a left back what's his name kukurea they lost these two guys and then they've been to replace them with little to no money right they already had kaisedo there it was already coming in here and there but kaisedo now taking the spot fully now nah, i think they have a good they have a quite a good score i think they will, they'll have a good season i think they're fine and they're not gonna be an easy team to play i mean the amex stadium is gonna be a difficult place to go to what i mean difficult not like you can't win there but i'm saying that if you're going there you're gonna be expecting a game it's not really a game you're gonna go there and just say oh we're gonna go here and win no you're gonna be expecting. if you're, if you're playing against brighton away or at home you are going to get a game you have to be ready for it <laughs> but yeah and now finally my name is arsenal now this game was very important because everybody else apart from Arsenal fans, wanted my United to win this game, right? I mean, so maybe if you're a Liverpool fan, you don't like my United anyways, but everybody else wanted my United to win this game for the fact that, I mean, Arsenal, I mean, my circle of friends, I have a lot of Arsenal fans there, and I have one who's the loudest one. It's really loud. I mean, I mean, yeah, obviously, Arsenal fans who are quite calm and, you know, here and there, but there's one that's very loud and very annoying, right? <laughs> I wanted him to be humbled. <laughs> and yeah, now, uh, prior to the game, it was like, you know, was already giving it the big game, was already, already being loud, you know, making talking about it, you know, this is this. And the others were quite mild and very respectful. You know, like I'm not I'm obviously as a fan, I'm not saying you should not support you, you should not celebrate your wins, but sometimes, you know, some people celebrate their wins too. I'm like, okay, fine. Let's let's see you be humbled. <laughs> you know, when when you start hearing something, oh fine, let's see you be humbled. And I mean, even not I mean they were very good loud, but and it's close to my head. Now when the game started. Um, Man United goes with the same team that has gotten them their last two wins. The win, one new win against Leicester, and um, and they and they win two one win against Liverpool. So Man United win the same lineup, the same formation, four to three one. Eriksen and McTominay in midfield, three in the behind the striker, and then you know one. Now, my I was talking about the two teams individually. Now with that formation, Man United won. Now Arsenal going with the same team. However, they were losing uh, Thomas Partey. They missed Thomas Partey. I mean, and then he came in and played, uh, covered for Partey, but. Losing um, um and then he also picked up an injury, so they've lost party and, and then it's injuries, long term injuries, both of them out for a long time. So they have um, a midfield duo, the midfield pairing of um, Lokonga and Xhaka, and then they played three behind Jesus, um, which was on the right, was Saka behind him was Odegaard, and on the right was Martinelli, and then the back four on the right back was um, their defender, center back, which was um, what's his name again, Ben White, center back pairing of um. Saliba and Gabriel Magales and left back was Zinchenko, then the goalkeeper Ramsdale, right? So it was the same team as now went, went with. It was the same as now went with. Now, when the game started, I thought United were really on top of it. United was already on top. I mean, United's new boy was already starting, right? So it was a back four. Basically, the same back four that played goalkeeper at the year, right? Basically, the same back four that played in all their last three matches. Um, right back, Diogo Dalo. Um, center back pairing of Varane and Martinez and left back was um, Malasia. The midfield duo, midfield duo of um, Eriksen and um, and then McTominay. Then behind the strike, behind um, Rashford playing up front. Left left wing was um, Rash Sancho. Behind Rashford was um, Bruno Fernandes. Bruno Fernandes and the right right wing was um, your new boy Anthony. 
Um, they, they just slotted in easily. I think they were probably they probably played the Langa and played this guy there, anyways. But Anthony playing it now. Just I think it was the Christmas of them because they got their their man. They've been chasing all summer and finally got him. And he just slotted in and started immediately. Now the first half was very. Um, I would I would say end to end, end to end because no, listen, why I say end to end was not like okay, no, that, I think that's the wrong shot of words. But the first half was more of. Um, let, let me start again. Like the first half, first 20 minutes, I think it was Man United. Man United were already on at Arsenal. They were already at Arsenal, right? At their throats immediately. I think this sort of gave Arsenal a bit of a bit of an issue because if I observed Arsenal, all the previous games Arsenal played before now, they were the ones who usually started quickly, right? And the one thing about Arsenal, they want to start quickly. They want they don't get back. Well, I think with United coming out of the blocks and going at Arsenal immediately. Was very, was very important for United, very key for United to win this game because they didn't come out of the back and let Arsenal come out and play. Because even prior to game, I think Ten Hag was like, we're, we're not going to let them play. We don't want to, we don't, we're going to stop them from playing. And I think that was probably what they wanted. I went at, at Arsenal already in the first 20 minutes. They were like, like you know, going at Arsenal. I mean, they had chances here and there, but just wasn't there. Now, something interesting happened. With Arsenal's first chance, Arsenal scored, but there was a foul in the build-up. Now, this was um, personally controversy. And not prior to the game, a lot of Arsenal fans already been in the narrative that there was going to be a referee against them, which I think was Arsenal. It was like, I don't know how they were able to create themselves as the underdogs at the same time, the top dogs at the same time. You know, it was very interesting to see that they were like, oh, we're playing. They, they were already tracking. In fact, Portieri was a referee. They said he's from Manchester, um, he's from Salford, um, he's a and he's a Wigan fan. He's a fan of Wigan Athletic, right? He's a Wigan fan. He's not really a Manchester United fan. He's not. They said, oh, he was from Manchester, so. You know, he's gonna be re- uh, refereeing decisions in this game. Um, okay, <laughs> they're already creating that narrative around it already. And with that decision, they were already trying to bring. I'm like, no, it's stupid. It was a foul. Was it a foul? Yes, it was. What is in every goal that was scored? Every goal that scored, it has been you have been told that you have to go back and check it. It was a foul, and there was a foul in the build up. Who was fouled? Ericsson was fouled in the build up. He was pushed. By Zinchenko, which good finish by Martinelli, by the way, it was it was pushed by Zinchenko. It was the right decision to give that as a foul. It was a foul. So I don't know what they are arguing. And the funny thing was, Arsenal fans were actually upset at this decision. It's really quite surprising because if you were the ones who were on the receiving of that kind of decision, they would have been like, "Oh, it's um, the agenda against Arsenal again," which I think is weird. It's very weird, right? It, it points back to my point about football fans having. Being hypocrites and also have this double, this um, being this selfishness of football fans wanting everything to go their way alone and not wanting decisions to favor anybody else but just them. Even when it goes against, the, even when it's right, you want to just put an agenda out of nothing. So yeah, that was it. And then the first goal, the United scored. Now after after um, my Arsenal scored that goal and it was ruled out for for foul and everything. Arsenal came into the game, right? It felt like that goal just gave him a bit of confidence to play. And there's one thing I also want to credit um, Jesus for, right? Jesus, I've always been watching this. I've been watching this since he started with Arsenal, right? And maybe a lot of defenders might even watch it and say, okay, fine, we're going to know how to deal with him. But the way he wins the ball in the air, it's very interesting. He backs into the defender, right? And one thing I also know is not let the ball bounce. Don't let the ball bounce. Do not. Trust me. It's going to be worse. I mean, I know this, this is... This is an old. If you're if you're, if you're defending in academies, right? You're you if it's a very old um, um, lesson. Your thoughts, right? If you're playing from academy level, don't let the ball bounce. Do not let it bounce. And uh, defenders, obviously, I see defenders in the level doing this. But 
that's that now if it bounces if you are, if, the, if jesus is the attacker you are facing and the ball bounces that's the wrong decision because now he's able to position himself better but one thing he does is he backs into the defender puts the defender off so that he because he knows he knows he can't win the ball in the air he knows he can't win the ball in the air so he's gonna he's gonna back into you so that you will not be able to get the ball and then when the ball if the ball bounces the ball could bounce or it could try the ball could come to him and then he could get the ball which is not illegal but it's you know you should be known as, you know to deal with that as a defender, but that's what he does really well. I think there's one game, game against Bournemouth when Arsenal eventually scored the first goal. There was only way he backed the defender and then he won the ball, gave the pass to the game, and then they scored. Arsenal scored. That was the game against Bournemouth. I remember also the game against Leicester. Also, he did that against Johnny Evans. I think he scored the first, scored two goals in the first half. Did that same thing. So it's one thing I've noticed that he's in this game that like he knows he does that a lot. But in that game yesterday, I think United. United really went for him, right? And they really there was one wrestling situation <laughs> that was wrestling. I mean, it was still a yellow card though. I mean, you can call it what you want to call it, but it's a yellow card. But there was a wrestling. It was a uh, McTominay on <laughs> Jesus. He just ruffled him all like guy. Are you fighting WWE? <laughs> it was funny to see though. Now, back to the game. So uh one nil up. Now Arsenal were quite anonymous, you know, offensively in general. Even though Jesus was trying and trying and trying. I think Arsenal's defense dealt with him really well. They were really at their true Arsenal's throats. They were really dealing with Arsenal very well in that game, especially offensively. I mean, Arsenal going through the game, but um, in other sides, I, I'll talk about the centre back pairing. I'm talking about they really dealt with Arsenal's um, offense really well, especially Jesus. But Malasia didn't really deal with him. And whenever when the game ended, I was seeing stats of, from Malasia that oh, Malasia has this. And like, I watched the game. He was getting spawned by Saka a lot. Saka was really dealing with him, you know, all game. And, you know, there were people making fun of Saka that Saka hadn't scored yet. And, you know, Saka scored. Anyway, back to the, the lead, I also forgot to mention also, in the lead, it was Anthony who scored. Now, with Anthony, when the first half ended, apart from that goal, Anthony didn't really look really good. And, and the funny thing about football fans is, you know, football fans tend to get carried away. I'm not hating on the guy, you know. I mean, it's obvious I want the United to win this game. So, it's not like I'm hating on the guy. I don't really care, you know, but... I think that he didn't play well in that first half. He didn't really play as well as people are trying to say he did. I looked around that entire game. He there was maybe he scored the first goal, which I think anybody any any attacker should score. Anybody who's any inverted winger who played on the right with his left foot cutting inside should score that goal. Open your body up and just play. He should score that goal, and that was a goal that he scored, which was really good goal, well taken. Kudos to him for taking it. But apart from that, entirely, I didn't really see that. There was one skill he did where he was just dancing, 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 which, again, I think was just a bit of a hypocrisy from a lot of football uh, pundits and analysts in general. I remember when Charleston was jogging the ball, when he came on to try and kill time and waste time to win fouls, and he got tackled. Everybody was like, oh, it was like he was like he committed the cardinal sin, one of the cardinal sins, right? He was just like, oh, you know, you, he's doing this, da, da, da. Nobody was even upset at the person who almost tried to injure him. Like, oh, you do this, you're going to get... But Anthony was doing the same thing. Nobody was saying that, oh, I'm going to run from where I am to go club. Nobody was saying, nobody said anything about his skill. Everybody was just like muted. Everybody just ignored it. Nobody talked about it. Nobody's holding segments and saying, nobody talked about it after the game. Like, oh, this is um, bad. No, no commentator was saying that. But they were just praising, back to what I said with double standards, depending on the team, whoever the team is. But back to the game. Now, he scored that goal. But the first time, he wasn't really good. There was one where he tried to play curler, which was very poor. Some passes really good. He tried to chip the keeper. Yeah, it didn't really work out, but eventually, he didn't really do anything amazing in that first half. He didn't really do anything amazing in that game. He was okay, but it wasn't really... If he didn't score, if he didn't score, people would have said that, okay. People would have seen what I was saying, but because he scored, he sort of overshadowed that. 
but there's still a lot to look out for with with him i think we have to watch out for some more with him with him playing now with united their second goal came from rashford right <laughs> which was uh, interesting beat their I, I think you know arsenal were arsenal were trying to chase the game because after they collided with Saka, passing him to an empty net, obviously, um, there was a bit of a mix-up in the defense with United's defense, and then Saka passed him to an empty net. Arsenal were pushing up and trying to score, and then they suffered for it. I think it's Rashford's bread and butter. Whenever you're playing, playing on the shoulder of the last defender, that kind of chance where you play ball by the and Rashford with his pace, Rashford is very dangerous with that, and he scored this goal to make it 2-1. And then he scored the third goal again, you know, because it was a good pass from Sancho, and then Rashford scored, and then the third goal. Um, Ericsson playing off that line and then make the run pass across to Rashford and then Rashford pass something and score three one. But the two goals, there was another thing also. Um, Arteta making oh three subs in seventy minutes. People were saying that maybe it disrupted his team a bit. Maybe that's the case. Maybe that's not. But I also think that. But I think maybe it's down to the approach that's now we're adopting in trying to get into the game because they change their system. Yeah, not in the game because they're trying to attack, trying to get more advantage and then. You know, they pushed people up. I think they brought on their new signing also. Um, I'm forgetting his name. Their new signing from um, was it Porto? I think it was Porto. So they, they had like a they had like a, a system where it was a three three centre was um, um, Magales, Martinelli, Magales, um, Saliba and White. They play them at the back three and then they play Xhaka in between in the middle there. And then they they, they had to push. They're trying to get so they're trying to get more kind of advantage. So Saka sort of playing the wing back row, they're not playing the wing back row, and then they play a different role. But I think United still played really well to weather that storm, and then they hit them on the break because there was no because when Arsenal go all the way like that, there was nobody to really uh, mitigate any risk that they could suffer, and then that was the risk they suffered when they scored their second goal, which you know it was it was I think it was lights out already from them because Arsenal was still pushing again, and then it thawed. So that sort of killed the game for them already good i think substitution wise um was a good game but the substitution substitution wise for united i think they made good decisions the substitution, substitution wise they made good decisions their substitutions i think the lineup was really good um starting lineup was quite good and ericsson surprisingly you know and, and playing in this role he's playing in midfield it's very surprising that he's actually playing really well there him and martinel him and uh, mctominay have had this kind of partnership in the last three matches um but 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 I, don't, I think United fans should not get carried away because um the apart from Leicester, Liverpool and United and Arsenal are sort of played into their hands, right? You know, you can play off the high line and, and that sort of suits uh, suits the kind of the system with the players they had on, on the pitch, that sort of suits them, suits Man United in, on that day. But the questions are gonna be asked, you know, when they play other certain kind of opponents, like um, opponents who maybe might not play the way Arsenal and Liverpool play. I mean, yes, they build less time between those two matches, but it's Leicester. Looking at the way Leicester are struggling, and also Leicester may end up playing like that, so they could give another kind of chance. I'm talking about in the, in the long run, there are game tactics where that tactic might not work. And knowing the way Rashford is, I mean, I think Rashford link play was very good, but that kind of game suits Rashford so very well. That kind of game, oh my God, it's, it's like it's bread and butter. How much have I said this? <laughs> Oh yeah, and with Arsenal, well, Arsenal, didn't really, Arsenal played okay. I would say they played okay. I, I think even in general, I mean, yes, United defended really well. Defended well. Malaysia, they had Malaysia on strings, but Arsenal, you know, they weren't really as bad as you know the results showed. 
I mean, yeah, United were much better and tactically United were Arsenal were very much done and really well beaten. But I think you know they they were able to play some football in, in they were able to have some good spells in that game where they were able to play some good football, Arsenal in that game. And I think they they weren't really as bad as people think. I mean, yeah, you know, they weren't really as bad as people think. But it was quite but they played into the hands of United a lot. And I also think that you know, maybe it's down to the fact that Udigat, for example, it was quite nowhere to be found in that kind of game. And this is where um, this is where the questions about Arsenal were being asked. Because when they were playing those matches and the first few matches and beating those teams, there was a start for by Athletic that Arsenal have the easiest start of the season. I'm talking about you can check it out on this online. Among all the teams, the 20 teams in the league, who has the hardest starts? Arsenal were 20th, so it means their starts were the easiest in the league. So they don't really have this. So they've only played teams. They've played teams they should be beating. I mean, everybody expects us not to beat. On paper, you should expect us not to beat Crystal Palace, to beat um, Bournemouth, to beat Fulham, to beat um, even to beat Leicester. I mean, let's be real. It's, it should be Leicester, right? Even if you are the way Leicester's form is currently going, even against Villa, you should expect them to beat Villa. With the way Gerrard's form is going. I mean, obviously, they should already have wins. I'm not saying they should not already have wins, but there are teams that they should be beating. Now, with United playing yesterday, playing yesterday and where they have to do something... But I think they, they came they came up short in that kind of game, which is quite interesting. Now Europa League Europa League starts this week, and then um, it's going to be interesting to see how the season goes on. But um, Arsenal they played okay, but I think United were just just better. United were just better. And again, another decision in that game that happened, Fernandez, 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 Fernandez. I just forgot to pronounce. I think I'm trying to choose it pronounce it as possible. Pronounce it as correctly as possible. There was a situation where I think it was Lukonga who had like it was really, it should have been a yellow card though, but the play wasn't stopped. So that, that is for for Arsenal fans who are saying that the goal Martinelli score should have scored should have stood. Well, I don't think it should have because you know it was um, it was a good decision. It was a foul, and now it, it was a foul also that wasn't given. It was Arsenal play was play was still going on. Even though Fernandez lost the ball, but you know there was still a follow through that ended up coming endangered. So it was close to it. maybe a little bit high. It have been a red card. A little bit high would have been a red card, but it wasn't even penalized or nothing. But uh, my United played really well. I think Ericsson winning out of the match was very very key. I think uh, I think my United were really were much better much better than Arsenal. I mean, what I'm just saying Arsenal played well is that they played well in spells in that game. There were spells where they were okay. They were playing really well, but United were just just better. I mean, trying the midfield they were just better than them in every other way possible but apart from maybe just Malasia who was on strings all game and Saka was you know Malasia eventually grew into the game and started playing better but I think it was it was just and funny about Maguire came and almost gave away a penalty he almost gave away he almost, <laughs> it was very interesting but yeah but that, anyway, that's the end of the my, my take on the game though but I, I really think um it's gonna be you know, as the game delivered on on what people expected it to deliver you know, in terms of um, football as a neutral, if you're a neutral in that game, football, the football you play was interesting and you saw two teams who kind of gave it a go. I mean, yeah, you see, United were much better, but, you know, there are a lot of spells in that game where Arsenal were like, we're quite okay. So I think it was a good game. And then, congratulations to United. And thank you, United, for humbling, <laughs> for kind of um, dampening the mood for them a bit. <laughs> thank you, my United. But yeah, good result for United, um, good result all round. Um, that's the end of this segment and let's talk about uh, let's go to the big story segment and um, yeah talk about VAR and finally let's talk about VR now since VR are going to introduce in 2019 
Um, there's only controversy now. My first, not okay, 2019. No, in the Champions League, Spurs benefited from VR, right? Because if there was no VR, would have probably would probably have not gone to that final. I mean, Juventus' goal was almost chalked off, but it was given later, almost chalked off, right? And then VR looked at it and said it was a goal. And then the late goal that Aguero scored, that Sterling scored, with Aguero being offside, would go ruled out. So that was very good decision that secured. That, that enabled us to have very good you know, Champions League run, basically, right? That decision, middle court Champions League final, it was key to against final because VR was sort of interesting. Now, in the, champ- in, the, in the league, when the league starts, the league started, then VR also ruled, VR, Spurs benefited from VR against, against Man City also because Man City had to go ruled out, right? <laughs> and then, in that season, Spurs lost to Leicester, Sons goal was ruled out for outside, Spurs scored 1 0, and um, Son scored, game 2 0. I think Son scored, Son was ruled out, no, Son assisted, and then Ori scored, but the goal was ruled out because Son was outside in the build up, which, you know, technically, either you're outside or you're not. So that was the first time, you know, VRS drew the dagger into my heart. That was the first time. Now, in the long, now, in that season, there was a lot of people were already upset, people were upset at VR, people were really, people hated it because they felt, you know, it was ruining the game da, 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 da. but that season i think we had to adjust to it because i don't really think there was anything wrong with i don't in the long in the long run i don't think anything wrong with vr vr is a very good addition to football in my opinion if you look at decisions in games where one team has actually suffered because you know a free made a poor decision and vr chalked it off there are games like that you know well okay fine i mean you know, there are games like okay, this is the game that's probably you know I was key to this team actually having this game. Their season staying up. You know, VR came true for people. So I don't really think we're gonna react. But one there's an argument for people making people saying that VR is bad. But one thing you should also remember, it's a computer, it's garbage in, garbage out. What you give computer what you're gonna give you. If you put two plus three, it's gonna give you five, right? If you you're not gonna be expecting four if you put two plus three into a computer, you're not gonna be expecting four because you know it's gonna be five. It's garbage in, garbage out, whatever you give is gonna give out. You know, it's it's the same thing here. Now, it's the person that you're going to blame. I, I do think there's an issue with VR. I think the issue with VR is the time it takes to make a decision, one. Um, the personnel involved who makes the decisions. And three, I think when they make decisions also, they do not consider a lot of human factor in the game, right? And why? I mean, yes, they have to follow the rules. Let's be real. Right? They have to follow the rules, to the light of the law, da 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 and all that. Now, I'll start my three points here, my different points here. I, I, like I said, computer garbage and garbage. I think the, the issue here is the time they waste. Now, if you observe this season, even but last season, it wasn't like that. Previously, it wasn't like that. It has started this season so far. Referees are taking too long. And if you observe, excuse me, there's a lot longer time in after, in, in um, added, in minutes added to a, t- to a, to a match. It's a, lot, it's a lot longer. But, I mean... So I started watching football. When I, whenever first half ends, what do we expect? One minute. One minute is what you usually expect to be added. A minute. They add a minute to the game. At most, two minutes. Whenever you see a team, whenever you see that the five minutes is added or six minutes or even ten minutes is added, just maybe somebody got injured in the game or something. Even in when there was VR, when VR got introduced in 2019, 2020, 2021, 21, 22 seasons, in those last two, three seasons, I, just three seasons I mentioned, when there was VR in the league, decisions were not like this. And, Referees were not taking so long. How come this isn't taking so long? For example, the McAllister goal, right? They took so long. Now it's offside, we get it. But it took so long to make a decision, right? It took so long to make a decision. And then, ended up, now, first half, I think they added how many minutes? They added like three minutes in the first half. I mean, this was unusual some years ago. Like, you started adding three minutes. Now, I know how many matches I've seen 
even in the end of 90 minutes, you're seeing six minutes added, ten minutes added. Before now, it's three minutes, four minutes at most. Now I'm seeing six minutes. It's getting to it's becoming a normal occurrence. Eight minutes added. Because why? Maybe the referee wasted too much time in making a decision. <laughs> and it was brought in to help the referees, but it's sort of shining the light on their incompetence. You know, in how they handle make decisions in this game. I mean, my argument. I mean, I've always said this. My argument with referees. My issue with referees has always been consistency in decision making. Whenever they make decisions in key decisions, it's always been consistency. Whenever they make decisions, but I think that aside that, if you watch um, referees, if you if the argument, if the argument was we want key decision making, we want help in decision making. Now, if you in in real time when you're officiating a game. You actually make decisions right on the spot. Now you have video, you have video assistance. You can watch different angles to know and ascertain if it's a goal or if it's not, or if it's saying if it's a foul or not, right? You can you have angles to watch. If you have different angles to watch, why not just do it? Why not just you know why is it not supposed to be easier? Because if you're making it on the spot, it's different, right? But now you have you can, you can work at it two three times and make a decision. But now it's surprising that they are not making good decisions even despite the addition of referees like the the. Another thing again I also want to point out is before now, you know, a lot of us I think the, the VR also the issue is bringing is also the overcorrection of the game. Overcorrection. When you say overcorrection of the game, I'll give an example, right? The less the Brighton goal, the McAllister goal, right? Mwep was was offside in the zone where he tried to do an overhead kick. It, missed, it didn't touch him, obviously. It didn't touch him, but he was offside. He influenced the play because by him doing that, the defenders try to act. McAllister scores a very good volley. Now check this out. Nobody off. Nobody appealed. Nobody appealed. Blank man raised the flag. But VR checked and figured that it was offside. Right? Now they wasted time making that decision, but it was offside. They wasted time making that decision. But that is a that's human error. And if you check, if you check over the past few years before VR was introduced, human error has always been in the game. If you if you want to do VR on every single goal, most of the good fantastic goals that have been scored. If you want to check VRO, VRO will probably rule out a lot of the goals. And that is, unfortunately, McAllister's goal is one of it. And another thing I also want to note is this, right? Back, back to the overcorrection of the game, I'm saying. That's, if, if you check out, apart from the fact that nobody appealed, most people just sort of, you know, ignored. But the overcorrection of the game, we're going to miss out on those kind of goals. Because now somebody scores, because of the overcorrection of the game, we're like, okay, it's going to be real, it's going to be ruled out. And that's where most people are sort of afraid that okay, if it gets rules, if it gets ruled out, we're screwed. <laughs> you go celebrate and then like even Richarlison's goal, for example, right? Richarlison was outside, VR ruled it outside, right? That's your correction I was talking about. Now that goal was scored, nobody appealed, right? People didn't appeal, they thought it was it wasn't outside. People, nobody appealed, but it was a correct decision. So it's you can get upset you want, but those two decisions and those decisions were correct. Then if you look at now the West Ham one, that one I think that one was one that people say was wrong because. Um, even though Bowen was jumping over this guy and then he stepped on Mendy but and then um, Mendy, it was a quite a poor save from Mendy to push the ball out and then Connie scored even the referees admitted that listen it wasn't they, sh- it wasn't, they shouldn't have ruled out that goal it was a direct goal but you know this is what we're talking about but I, I think it's ridiculous to blame VR I think it's the personnel we're going to blame maybe the argument of VR can be over the argument against VR can be over correction of the game where Human error is not allowed to flow, but if we want the game to be, if, but those, sometimes you can call it over correction of the game. You might, in a game like there was like the um, the McAllister goal, for example. Now, now you might say, oh, we want it out over correction of the game. What about games where, what if McAllister's goal did not stand and then 
Leicester scores and wins the game. You know, it was a key decision in the game. Even though Leicester still imploded and Brighton still won, what if that goes ensured that Leicester were able to score? I mean, you, you just don't know. So I, I, I don't. That can be an, an argument, but I don't really think it's a strong enough argument because that's exactly what most people want. Most people complain about it. It was VR. The goal, Mendes goal against Man United, uh, Tom Carroll, that scooped out of the out, out of the line, that went crossed over the line, that was already in the net back in 2005. That goal would have stood. So that is where we say VR, you know, is really important. So that kind of decision can be frustrating. In the, after I saw a goal like that, but it can also be frustrating. That kind of goal against Men, for Mendes, right? That got chalked off, wrongly chalked off. It was VR. That was, so it's it's evil. It's like this. There's an argument here, but I think those two cancel at each other and say, listen, if there's VR, you know, this one, there's like that for me. And then I first said about the time taking. Time it takes to make decisions is where I think that is where the argument is because. They spend too many times, too long. Sorry, too many times. Spend too long making a decision. You know, is it a foul or not? You make a decision now. If you draw the line outside, I mean, at most, 10, 20 seconds, 50 seconds, a minute max, you should be done already making a decision. So, okay, fine. I think this is it. It's not like you're going. And also another thing again, it's there's also the argument of maybe the referees actually looking, going out for ways to disallow a goal. For example, looking out for things to disallow a goal. You know, for example, like in the game. Um. Which is back to the point of the correction of the game, you know, um, like that particular um, um, game. Now somebody scores, nobody of nobody raises their hand, nobody everybody thinks it's fine, and then referee starts looking, and then they take so much time to make decision. So it's that for me, I, I think VR can be correct. I think it's I think the arguments against VR, I, I don't really think there's any issue with it. I think yeah, we should work at arguments. If something is just starting, if something is new. There's always going to be issues. We can't just throw it away and just say, oh, um, it hasn't worked. Let's throw it away. No, I think it can work and can be improved on. I, I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with VR. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think it has come into the game and it has really helped out. You know, it, it could be the difference between teams getting what they want and what they don't get. So it's, it has really helped out in the game. Maybe it's over correcting the game. Yeah, but if you ask the teams that benefited from it, ask the teams who got, who got their targets for the season, for because of it, I mean, yes, there's the fact that maybe fans are even now. If, if sports score a goal, if sports score a goal, I'm sort of afraid to celebrate because I'm waiting, I want to see the decision made. But there is that. Well, I don't really think it's it's um, I think we can improve on it. And, we did, and there's a new obviously, there's a new style coming up where they want to um, put technology in introduce technology where they put some sensors into the ball where the ball can to make decisions quicker. So I think that's where they're going to solve that problem. I think the problem is maybe decisions being made slower. I think with AI and the new technology you're introducing, it's just going to make quicker. I think that is one they can solve, and then you can have shorter times making decisions. I think that's where it can be corrected. I think in the world Cup, it's going to be experimented, so be ready to pull your hair out if you're going to see that. You could see offside decisions made very quicker, but technicalities and all that. And also, you know, where we might have an issue with the VR also, it's maybe those kind of small, small details like millimeter and all that. Maybe, maybe that's where I think. Can be negligible, can be ignored, can be you know we can look back at it. But also another thing, also again, I'm using too many bots because it's obvious. The man had goal against Liverpool, Rashford's goal. Um, it was offside. That goal was ruled out. That goal was given. But in the game against um, was it Everton? In the Everton game, that was also ruled. That, I think Crystal has also game also similar decision was ruled out. So consistency is where we're arguing there, and it backs to the. It's not the VRS issue. It's the personnel. And I think I think that's where it can be improved on. We can just work out, work on making good decisions. Maybe they, people have said they should introduce maybe ex-players there, but I don't really know if that's a good decision because I've heard a lot of ex-players 
talk absolute rubbish. <laughs> maybe they explain. Maybe they can go through F. Maybe some uh, referee um, training. Maybe that's maybe obviously they will go through that. But I'm talking about punditry wise. If only a few players I've heard make good talk about good. But if you if you want to introduce players to start talking about talking referees through certain situations, I don't really think that's a good idea either because. Some ex-players, uh, I don't really think they make very good decisions. So some of them are a bit biased. For example, a decision where maybe it's a striker and a goalkeeper. The striker is going to side with the goalkeeper. Goalkeeper is going to side with the goalkeeper. So it's, 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 it's there's, there's no bias there. So there's no there's no um, independent, there's no middle ground there. And that's where I think there's an issue there. But from even, and there's also bias. With our, three, our three players have bias against goalkeepers. So it's not really... I don't really think you can, that is a good decision anyway. Well, that's my take on VAR. I think VAR should come. I think it can be improved on. That's all I think. I think I think where the issue comes is time this time um taking to make decisions. Now it's gonna the World Cup again, like I said, the World Cup is gonna be experimental. Um, um a new technology to make it to make it work where they're gonna put some uh, put the sense I think the sensor into the ball where decisions will make quicker. So that's where I think that's where I only think it should be you know, taking taking that part of the decisions from the referees. And then we all know we can so we're gonna celebrate or not. We just know of the bad that oh yeah it's a go or not. We just know quickly and we just and that's just it for me. But that's my end of today's episode. But thanks for listening and a good weekend for every football fan. And um yeah <laughs> every football fan that didn't want us not to win. Yeah, good weekend for everybody. <laughs> and then long may continue and then yeah. <laughs> I'll see you guys next weekend and um bye, take care. Oh, sorry, I see you guys in the midweek. Yeah, and also the next game is um, Spurs versus um, Man City. Fingers crossed, hopefully, we do well. There's a Champions League fixture, so I think the Champions League fixture, I think I'll mix it. I'll talk a lot more about the Champions League, I'll talk a lot more about the Spurs game. Yeah, Middle is going to be interesting. I'll see you guys in the midweek, and um, take care. Bye.